Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. You're listening to The Profile. Hello and welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing leaders in the church and the wider culture. In the coming weeks, you'll be hearing the best of these conversations, plus some brand new ones as well. It was leadership expert John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. Some have massive influence through their role as a leader of a church or business, a charity or a family. Others have influence in their neighbourhood, a network of friends or through leisure interests. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence. This show is brought to you by Premier Christianity magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. It has often been said that leadership is influence, and that influence comes in various forms, of course. A parent is influencing their family and might be sad at the declining influence as the children grow up. A church leader has influence over the congregation through how they run services, connect with people and reach their community. A charity leader influences their staff and the wider supporters in their network. But some leadership roles are more tricky. How can someone influence a group of churches and Christians in a whole country? Well, I'm joined this week by Tim Rowlands, who is the newly appointed leader of the Evangelical Alliance in Wales. Born and raised in North Wales, Tim is an ordained minister of the Assemblies of God. For the past 12 years, he's served as a senior pastor and leader of the Festival Church. As well as being a classically trained musician, Tim has extensive experience in local and national politics. So I look forward to chatting about the great opportunities in the Principality and how he thinks he can be of influence for good in this challenging role. So Tim, lovely to welcome you to the Leadership Show. Thanks so much. It's good to be here. Thanks. Um, so did you come to faith through a Christian family? Uh, yes, I did actually, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid. Huh? Uh, so um, all my earliest memories are, I guess, around church. And um, so, yeah. Quite a privilege, really, I think. And also, my grandparents on one side were, were believers too, and um, got lots of stories of visiting them. Um, and they were quite, they were quite, I guess, devout, really, in their faith. So, you know, whenever we stayed at my grandparents, um, it was early mornings, and they'd be for prayer time, and uh, they'd be, they'd often kneel uh, at their chairs, and my grandma would put a shawl on her head and pray. Um, so I've got some lovely memories of my grandparents um, and their faith. Well, yeah. and, and of course, we're going back to the 1904 Welsh Revival. So whether they were affected or their own parents, I don't know what how the age works in your family. but <laughs> Yeah, well, I think my grandparents actually um, came to faith. They were from the Midlands uh, originally. And, um, and in some of those um, revival meetings, I think in the 20s, sort of Pentecostalism was just taken off. Okay. Uh, the the Jeffries brothers, that sort of thing, mm. uh, and it was that kind of experience that 
that brought them to faith. Well, terrific. Um, so, and you're a pastor's kid, and you you weren't put off, obviously. So there's something must have been very dynamic about your dad and uh, the way he led. So that, that's terrific to hear. Um, so when did you sense a calling to leadership, Tim? Sometimes I think I just fell into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> but I've always sensed, I've always had it deep in my heart just to serve, to serve God. Um, I think maybe when I was about 16 or 17, I was on a, a missions trip and I just um, almost had a vision really of, of God speaking to me um, around leadership, I think. Um, so, I, yeah, it's just been a deep-seated sense of this is what God has got for me. Sometimes I feel like I'm a reluctant leader. <laughs> I'd rather be playing the piano. Um, <laughs> um, but but um, no, I, I'm grateful that you know God speaks and leads. And uh, yeah, I do sense his leading in that too. So yeah, and I guess we look at how, how our lives shape shape up sometimes in retrospect and think ah okay lord yeah you you have called me to this (laughs) well that's lovely to hear because i i I meet lots of leaders who can't talk about a particular call but but know that they should be doing what they're doing and i guess that sounds like your kind of experience as as well um and uh you've you've alluded to the fact that you're a classically trained musician so uh it's not every pastor for whom that's the case and um, I don't know if that makes it easier or worse for your worship team at the church where you are, whether you kind of stay out of it or, or are particularly um, pernickety. Um, maybe maybe they'd be a better judge than you. But what, how do you feel about the music at church and uh, and your classical training? Well, yeah, um, I love music. And um, yeah, I often wonder how it sort of fits uh, still in my life it's very much a, a hobby i guess at the moment um in terms of church um i try and stay hands off and i think i think i'm quite good at that actually i let okay. them just crack on with it um and um and i do help out uh, over the past 12 months i've you know um in our communion services which we often just stripped down to more of an acoustic set i've sometimes just led me on the piano um when our when our leaders come together i'll often lead worship then um so, no, I think I've obviously got expectations, and um, but I think also it means that the conversation I have with my worship team, mm-hmm. they they get that I also to some extent know what I'm talking about. So if um, if there is an issue or I'm not sure about something or I've got a suggestion, they tend to listen. Um, but yeah, no, I do, do love music. <laughs> Your biography talks of political involvement, so. Talk me through that. When when did you get involved in politics, and and how? <laughs> um, again, <laughs> you fell into another it. surprise. <laughs> I'm to, yeah, I'm starting to think I should be a bit more intentional about my life. Um, <laughs> a good friend of mine stood for the Welsh Parliament uh, in the mid sort of two thousands, and the, the final two weeks of his campaign were quite stressful for him. So I I just said, no, I'll, I'll help you out. And um, I did did some of the classic door knocking and um, boning around people trying to, to drum up support. Um, and I think it was a surprise that he got elected. And um, and then we had a conversation. He said, "You know, I've just been elected. Um, you fancy working for me? You know, if we could make that happen." I said, "Well, I've never done that before, um, but I'm up for it." So that was sort of the doorway, really. And 
I managed his office for pretty much 12 years. Uh, and, and then alongside that, sort of, you end up getting sucked into these things. I ended up standing for council. Uh, so I stood up for my town council, became the mayor of the town. Um, then I stood for my county council and I got elected onto that. It's uh, two terms there. Um, and they're just great opportunities to meet people. Um, I guess share your faith, be true to who God's called us to be in those moments. Uh, and it opens so many doors too, um, which would never usually open. So, yeah, I feel I've had a fair bit of experience at both national and local politics, really. Um, it would yeah. be remiss of me not to ask which which colour, which uh, party you were involved with. Um, it was the Conservative Party at the time, yeah. And are they strong in where you were before? Um. No, not really. I was going to well, say, I, actually, it hadn't, hadn't struck me as being a, you know, a place where the, the Tories did so well in, in Wales. So, Yeah, I guess um, North Wales um, was, at the time had a fair amount of Tory support. Um, certainly nothing like what it is in the South, in South Wales Valleys. And- Fantastic. Well, it's, it's thrilling to... Um, uh, chat to you at this stage of your kind of ministerial life, as it were, as you're on the cusp of of of, of launching as a leader of uh, the Evangelical Alliance in Wales. Um, so, talking a little bit about the, the kind of spiritual life of, of 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 the country, if you like, um, just a recent survey of uh, the census suggests a decline in church attendance, a bit similar to the rest of Britain. To me, would that be your sense as well? Yeah, I think so. Um, I just feel like it's all shifting uh, and certainly accelerated post-COVID. But I think church attendance in the UK for decades now has been on the the decline. So it's never really a surprise when it looks a bit worse than it did last time. Um, But sometimes I wonder whether we're just gauging Sunday attendance. Um, I wonder if, and I think there probably is actually engagement with church life across other spheres or other days. Uh, and I think as we're challenged to be creative and innovative around what church looks like, um, my guess is that there are people engaging with us who perhaps aren't being picked up in those sort of surveys. I'm always hopeful, you see. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely a uh, a glass half full kind of person, and um, but yes, got to be real about this. Yeah, I think church attendance as a whole is in decline. Yeah, I think that's reflected in Wales too. Well, certainly some people have thought that the census results probably overstated the Christian involvement. You know, um, they you know although it's dropped below fifty percent, we know that church attendance in certainly in, in the England is. You know, barely ten percent on a on a Sunday. Um, so, like you say, um, uh, this may be just demonstrating that nom- nominalism is no longer a factor, and that this is the true state of things, and has been for many many years, perhaps. So, um, um, and in terms of overseeing Wales as a as a country, no doubt there are a, a pockets of Wales where. Faith seems stronger, or churches seems larger and stronger. Would that be the case? Um, 
Yes, but um, I think this follows um, population centres, really. Uh, so, um, yeah, in, in the bigger towns and the cities, yeah, churches are bigger. Um, but I wonder if across the nation it's a fairly even percentage. I don't know. Um, but for sure, where, where there's lots of people, there's more likely to be more Christians, more evangelical Christians going to church. So, um, so for that reason, I guess people would often point to perhaps there's definitely obviously the population is greater in South Wales, um, and it might feel that there are more evangelical churches um, down there. In fact, there are, but again, I think that's because of the population. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. And so as you anticipate um, your time in office, have you a sense of what your priorities are likely to be or um, how you might discern what they should be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, just, I've definitely been thinking around um, areas of advocacy, uh, how to engage with, um, I guess, that, that marketplace, public sphere, especially politics. So there's, there's, that, there's that stream. There's churches, how do we encourage churches and church leaders especially um, in in this next season? And of course, mission, how are we effectively letting people know about Jesus uh, and doing our best to just be part of the great adventure of seeing his kingdom come? Um, so it feels like there's three focuses there, advocacy, church, mission. They all kind of overlap, um, but they're my, my three focuses at the moment, really. And, and you've been pastoring and you continue to pastor a festival church. Where's that located? Yes, yeah, so a festival church um, is made up of seven different congregations. Uh, and most of the congregations are in North Wales. Um, but we've also got uh, two congregations in England, one's in Chester and one's in Derby. Um, and um, it's just been a, a great story of God's blessing. I've seen it grow. Um, over the years um, yeah and um, if I asked you the question what has been effective in your ministry in those churches would that be would the sort of approaches be across, true across the board or would they vary from church to church yeah it varies really I think um, and it's one of the I think one of the fun things about uh, being a church that's made up of multiple congregations um, because I feel like there's always this healthy tension of the local expression versus, you know, who we're trying to be as, as, as one organization. Um, but one of our values has always been articulated, um, around the local uniqueness of each congregation. So we're very much about encouraging each congregation to dig into what it means to be the church where they are. Um, knowing it will look quite differently uh, to the church that's perhaps in the next town down the road. Um, and then just, I guess, through, through discernment and common sense, um, working out how to reach that local community best. Um, so it tends to differ from congregation to congregation. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate there's, it's probably a, a naive to think that there would be a, a one kind of culture for Welsh people. But if you're an outsider to Wales coming in, um, what would you need to understand in terms of the characteristics of different parts of Wales, perhaps, and and the challenge that that brings for for church and for, for evangelism? 
Yes, good question. That I think two things. I think people often don't seem to understand or haven't really thought about um, is is that Wales has two official languages, um, you know, Welsh and English, um, and that it's quite important to who we are and, and our expression as a nation. Um, and the other one that's is a little bit bizarre, perhaps, is is there's quite a big difference between North and South Wales. Uh, and it is divided by um, a huge rural expanse. Um, and so North Wales expressions of life can be quite different to the South, I think. Um, and some of that is its gravitation to, I guess, um, population centres in England. Uh, so, of course, North Wales, um, we're, we're neighbours of Liverpool and Manchester. Um, there's bigger cities um, which affects the culture um, and, and there is definitely you know everyone laughs about you know Wales uh, the, the Welsh people love singing and but there is a real sense of there's like a music you know that expresses a little bit of who we are um, and I guess there's some deep religious roots really I think back to my tide um, that's my grandfather and even though wouldn't really have said he had a faith. He was still a deacon in his local chapel. Right, right. Um, so, you know, there's this sense of a deep-rooted um, religious thing, I think, going on uh, that is important to who who we are. But yeah, you're right. It's, it's hard to try and racket it into, you know, paint it with the same brush and all that sort of thing. Uh, and Welsh speaking would be greater in the north and the west. Would that be the case? Um, certainly in rural communities, uh, northwest, yeah, and along the west coast, yeah. Could you imagine a, a head of the Evangelical Alliance who didn't speak Welsh? Um, oh, I think so. Yes, don't forget, yeah. there's two languages, and you know, it's both working alongside. Sure. So it's not. It's not like oh, you wouldn't be accepted if. If if you weren't a Welsh speaker, no, I don't think so. Uh, I think you just you just have to you have to show that you understand and you have a heart for for that for culture. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my understanding is that there's a strong sense of of nonconformity um, historically. Um, uh, obviously, we've you've got you know the Welsh revival, you've got Methodism, you know, which spread. Back in you know in a pre- previous era, and although that's long gone, there's still the re- remnants of that in terms of chapel and many of the valleys having uh, communities built around you know a, a chapel or at least a chapel still existing there uh, as a kind of a focal point. Yes, um, well, certainly historical, isn't it? Um, but again, I, I I wonder how how relevant it is that you know you just got to drive through. Welsh towns and villages, and you'll see that lots of those chapels have been converted and, and used for other purposes. Um, and so it's certainly part of the heritage, um, but so it's part of everyone's story, how, how much it really feeds in in what is, you know, Wales is just as secular uh, and post-Christian as the rest of the UK, really. Uh, there are certainly chapels and monuments that remind us that something else used to go on. 
Um, but in most people's minds, I'm, I'm not too sure it's given too much thought apart from it just being a historical, historical monument, you know. Um, but yeah, sometimes I wonder about this in the, in the DNA of Wales that is, is prepared to push against the grain a bit, you know, that, just that actual sense of nonconformity across the board, you know, um, which could be quite helpful yep. in, you know, in, in being salt and light, you know, being countercultural. Maybe that's already in our DNA. Sure, sure. And in terms of your kind of daily or weekly routines, you're, you're still going to be involved in uh, the church. Um, are, you, are you in, in Chester or are you part of another, one of the other branches? Uh, so, yes, we've been part of the Chester congregation for a while. Um, and not too sure how, well, I've got every, every intention of staying uh, with those guys. Um, we're just moving house, actually, back into North Wales, which is going to be good. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and it's, it's one thing for sure. For, I appreciate your prayers. You know, how do we manage this well? in terms of involving leadership in church and this new role with EA. Um, I think they overlap really well, actually, and they're going to complement each other. But it's also, you know, a little bit unknown too. But I believe God will give us the grace to do well in it. Sure. So you're not, you don't have a kind of a certain number of hours you'll need to give to, to one versus the other? Um, yes, we are. Um, we're going to be sharing my time equally between the two. Okay. Yeah. And so finding a strategic way of doing that, I suppose, visiting key leaders um, within Wales, um, discovering what the initiatives are, getting your ear to the ground will be part of part of your remit. Yeah, for sure. And also just, you know, um, working with a team, uh, helping to set up a, a great team that can um, cover some of those bases. Yeah, it's going to have to be about teamwork, which is good. So. I like teams. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you what what uh, of your past leadership you'd want to be bringing, particularly to to your role, and um, and maybe what you've learned that you can you can impart to some of the church leaders you meet, some of whom will be no doubt you know delighted and thrilled with their work, and and some will be quite discouraged and challenged. Mm. Well, I think when I think about my if like my experience with, in leadership, um, it is in that political world and also the church world. Uh, and it's, it's, they're not always dissimilar, actually. Um, and I think from a church perspective, I, I think most people know I just love the church. Um, it's funny how you asked about, you know, or mentioned about my dad being a pastor and we never really been put off. And I haven't. Uh, that's, maybe I should have done. I've seen enough to put me off, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but never has. I've still believed it's, it's God's people, you know, and uh, God loves His church. Uh, so why wouldn't I, you know? So I think when it comes to church leadership, I feel like I never want to say I've seen it all, but I must have seen a fair amount. Uh, and uh, I know I've experienced the highs and the lows. Um, and um, hopefully I can just bring some empathy to it, you know, um, but also some experience 
um, and encouragement. It is, I, I just love the church and leading in the church is such an honor. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great place to be. And, and then there's the whole political leadership, which is very, well, I said some of this, not particularly dissimilar, but then one thing I really learned um, through um, just working in politics was I feel that there was never a decision that was made by one person. Um, it was committees at every level. Um, and however frustrating that might be, that that's how it is. That's what democracy is. It's lots of people uh, seeking a compromise on a position. Uh, so that was just a great training ground because it becomes all about building relationships, um, trying to see um, lots of different viewpoints at once, uh, trying to navigate through to find the core issue in lots of conversations uh, and just work with others and include others. Because if you did want to try and get somewhere, we have to bring people with you. Um, so that was just a, a great learning experience. I think I carry that forward as well, um, being prepared just to you know, find common ground, work together, uh, get things done. Yeah. So uh, at some point you will hand on your baton of this leadership that you're just starting. What will you hope might, might be your legacy, as it were, looking back? <laughs> yeah, I haven't really given that too much thought, really. I think <clears throat> um, apart from when I think about my life and how I um, relate to others and in terms of achieving something, uh, I'm struck by the way that when the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian church and he, you know, in his letters to the Ephesians, he often talks, of, he often uses that phrase, I pray that, and it will be followed by, you know, what he's asking God for. One of those first statements, one of the first two chapters, he talks about asking God that um, through the spirit of, I think, wisdom and revelation, his readers would get to know God better. Um, and I think that would be a win if, somehow through what God has called me to do, people get to know him better. And wherever they are on that spectrum of knowing God, whether it's people who have perhaps known him for many, many years, if they could just take another step forward in knowing God better. And for those that are just dipping their toes in the waters of faith, if they could just also know him a bit better, um, I think that would be a good thing. Um, I'd be sound, happy with that. Well, it sounds, it sounds fabulous, Tim. It sounds fabulous. Well, thank you so much for for sharing. Uh, maybe we'll get to talk, you know, towards the end of that, if you know when it is. <laughs> uh, but but thrilled that you're you're, you're <laughs> yeah. starting off now, and um, excited for for Wales as as you are unleashed upon it, as it were. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. It was lovely to chat with Tim Rowlands, the new head of the Evangelical Alliance in Wales, about how he sees things going forward. I was struck by his generous spirit and desire to see others grow in their relationship with God. It was also good to hear of the value he places upon finding a consensus. And I'm sure that will be an important element as he leads and forges uh, new pathways in his work. This is Andy Peck thanking you for your company. And I hope we'll be speaking very soon. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.